them in the world, Jesus Christ, talking about his disciples, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou givest me I have kept, and none of them is lost but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. Now, Jesus Christ called Judas the son of perdition. There's a lot of thoughts back and forth amongst theologians and people that build mountains out of molehills, but I uh, I did a little study on Judas, and it doesn't take much. You know what? how I do my studies. I take and put Judas at the top of the page, and I write down every verse I can find about Judas. And every verse I found about Judas, he came up short. In John chapter 12, verses 4 through 6, Judas Iscariot, Simon's sons, which should betray him, was stated by the author of the book of John through the Holy Spirit. And in John chapter 12, verse 6, Judas was called a thief and cared not for the poor. Pretty specific there, how he ended up being amongst the disciples and how what he was thought of by his fellow man. The Gospel of Luke states that Judas Iscariot, which also was a traitor, and that's in uh, 6, 70 and 71, Judas was put there by God the Father on purpose. In Psalms 41, verse 9, it says David wrote, in assuming Christ's position on the cross, he wrote in Psalms 41, Yea, mine own familiar friend in whom I have trusted, which did eat of my bread, hath lifted up his heel against me. So contrary to what some theologians say, uh, they, they give him an excuse. And, it, and it's, uh, I, I'm not judging where he's at in that regard, but I think it's very highly unlikely he was trying to usher in the second coming of Christ when he turned Jesus Christ in at the cross. It's apparent when you study scripture that that was a possibility. In fact, the, the guy they released, uh, Barabbas, at Christ's crucifixion, was trying to do that as a Jewish Essen, but he uh, he fell short of that mark. Also, he didn't recognize Jesus as the coming Messiah. He was trying to bring in a different Jesus. He was deceived by Satan, which a lot of people fall afraid of that. But Judas was fulfilling that portion of Scripture that needed to be fulfilled for us each to know and to be able to understand why Jesus existed on this planet. Now, I'm not going to say he's saved, but I am going to say he wasn't trying to usher in the second coming. He was just deprived. In fact, perdition, what Jesus called him, called him the son of perdition as he prayed for his followers, including us in John chapter 17, which is the real Lord's prayer. He called, he called Judas the son of perdition. Perdition means entirely lost or ruined. We have one country going through that position right now, Ukraine. Poor people look around and they see what politics have done to them. And they're under entire loss. You see photographs and pictures of demolished cities and towns. And, and that's what perdition means. It means entirely lost, not redeemable. It's gone. So I can safely say, according to what Jesus said here, 
in John chapter 17, verse 12, that Satan's entirely lost. Was and is. Now, that all being said, what we know where Judas stands, and the God the Father allowed him to be part of the divine plan. And by the way, when he prays there, when Jesus prays to his heavenly Father in John chapter 17, he's saying, you know, I got, I had 12, I really only had 11, one's gone. I talk to pastors all the time that talk about having a church and they lose a person or two or uh, things happen and they're gone. You know, uh, Jesus Christ lost somebody. Jesus Christ can't, couldn't convince Judas. He had three years with Judas and Judas still retained uh, wickedness in his heart and he had ample opportunity in fact if you think about it Judas probably healed people probably casted out demons as one of the twelve but he didn't when it, when it came down to being counted for Christ he denied him he who denies me before men him also will I deny before my father which is in heaven I've seen convicts of the worst kind. And they asked me, I had an opportunity in my life where I accepted Christ as my Savior, where I come to terms with my maker, but then I went haywire and alcohol or drugs or jealousy did this to me, and now I'm on my way to hell. I says, have you denied Christ? Well, I did with my actions. And, well, yeah, you succumbed to temptation, and you maybe weren't even in full cognitive skills of what you were actually doing if they were high and different things like that. But God still loves you. In fact, he loved Judas right to the end. Let's look at the scripture here and see what he did with Judas. Go to Matthew chapter 26, and uh, we'll pick it up. It's interesting there in Matthew chapter 26, as you read uh, Matthew chapter 26, Jesus is in this portion of scripture. He's He's at the end of his ministry here on earth. He's, he's right there. The next day he's going to be crucified. And he has Judas betray him. But just go back a couple of verses. Matthew chapter 26. Uh, Peter. And verse 31, then saith Jesus unto them, all ye shall be offended because of me this night. For it is written, I will smite the shepherd and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. But after I am risen again, talking about his resurrection, Jesus Christ. Uh, Brother Hughes talked to me about Easter, and that's when we celebrate the resurrection. I will go before you into Galilee. Peter answered and said unto him, Though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended. And I see the picture of the inmate. I had in my mind just when I talked to you that committed atrocities and denied his God and asked me if he was saved yet. Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee that this night, before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And we know the story and how it unfolds. In fact, 
all of the 12 denied him to some degree or another that night. They all deserted him. Some had testimonies and lied about even knowing him, Peter being one in the case. God loves you, and he counts you as his, whether you deny him or not at times. He knows our failure, and he knows our shortcomings. And contrary to the verse I quoted you earlier, he who denies me before men, him also will I deny before my Father which is in heaven. He will set the record straight. He's the judge of our salvation. He's the one who knows how we are in relationship to him. He knows the circumstances in our lives that lead us into temptation and deliver us, and he's the one who <laughs> delivers us from evil. Your personal relationship with God is something you need to cherish and protect, but in regards to not being able to lose it, God will leave his op every opportunity open to you even to the death on the cross, just a couple pages further in your scripture, you'll read how he reconciled himself, or possibly in another chapter, you'll read how he reconciled himself to the thieves on the cross and gave them opportunity before he breathed his last breath on this earth. We'll see what happened to Judas here, and pick it up in about verse 47 of chapter 26 of Matthew. And while he yet spake, lo, Judas, one of the twelve, came on, came, and with him a great multitude with swords and staves from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now he that betrayed him gave them a sign, saying, Whomsoever I shall kiss, that same is he, hold him fast. He's turning in Jesus Christ. He's betraying Jesus Christ. He's on his way to hell in a handbasket, as they would say today. And forthwith he came to Jesus and said, Hail, Master. He called him Master. You know what? Master is almost like a Lord. But he denied God to that very point and revealed in his heart that Jesus Christ was just his Master. Somebody he obeyed the best he could, and if he got away with it, he got away with it. It wasn't somebody that he called Lord down into his heart and made him a king of his life and made him the supreme final authority in his life. Judas was still trying to hold on to that, so to speak. He was still trying to be the master of his own destiny. He was still trying to shape his uh his position in the community and shape his position with mankind. And he hadn't turned his life over to Jesus Christ. What did Jesus say? The one who all-knowing knew what was happening, knew what would happen, what did happen in Judas's life as well as in the rest of the 12, and knew where he was headed. What did he say to Judas here? And forthwith, verse 49, and forthwith he came to Jesus and said, Hail, Master, and kissed him. And Jesus said unto him, Friend, friend, wherefore art thou come? Then came they and laid hands on Jesus and took him. And behold, one of them which were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew his sword and struck a servant of the high priest and smote off his ear. Then said Jesus unto him, put, away, put up again thy sword unto his place. For all they that take the sword shall perish with the sword. Thinkest thou that 
I cannot now pray to my Father, and he shall presently give more me more than twelve legions of angels. That set the eleven men back on their heels. In fact, everybody was set back on their heels at this point in Scripture. If you read another gospel account of this same thing, at this time when they asked Jesus who he was, Jesus proclaimed, I am. And the soldiers fell back words and had to pick themselves up. Jesus' words final, and his words mean something. He, he could have said 10,000 angels and had the whole thing taken care of in an instant. But instead, he called Judas friend. He called Judas a friend. What's that word friend mean? It's a noun, and it says one who is attracted to another by affection, mutual respect, and affection leads to desire, mutual company, seek to promote each other's happiness, prosperity, and opposition to an enemy. A friend loveth at all times, Proverbs 17, 17. That's Noah Webster's dictionary definition in 1828. So he's got several other definitions for the word friend because it's a word that kind of flows with when it's used and how it's used and what it means. Uh, even has a lot to do with how you pronounce it. One not hostile, opposed to an enemy in war. Uh, the second one is one reconciled after enmity. Let us be friends again. An attendant or a companion, a favorite. A term of salutation, a friend at court, one who has sufficient interest to serve another. We, I think, the Lord used this term friend, and if you, just, if you look this word up in its original language, it only appears in four verses in Scripture. And each time it's a salutation. And each time it's kind of an open question in how it's used. When you two men stand and call one another friend, sometimes it's before great opposition. But it's at the questioning of where one stands in relationship to you. And that's what Jesus was putting forth to Judas. Where do you stand in relationship to me? You've just kissed me on the tree and betrayed me. Now is your opportunity to make things right between you and me. Friend. Friend. I can't help but stop here for just a minute and say, where are you in relationship to Jesus Christ? And to think... Oh, to think one, any one of us could ever go so far away from God's love, so far away from God's grace, so far away from God caring for us that we could not come back. Here we have an example in Scripture of a man who turned him in to suffer on the cross for all of our sins, listened to nothing but the devil all his life, and Jesus Christ is ready to take him under his wing and call him brother next rather than friend. You have never sinned so much that Jesus Christ will stop loving you. He'll love you no matter what. There is no where you've gone 
that is too far away from God's love, too far away from God's grace, that you can't be reconciled with him on a personal basis. Whether it's facing the electric chair, and I've seen men do that. I've seen men that have gotten themselves right with God and had one guy sat right in front of me. He says, I got 12 years. Figure I got 12 years, and then they're going to fry me. It's been 12 years since I've known him. But I know he's in heaven right now because he took in those last 12 years, he got himself right with God. He accepted Christ as his personal Savior. Him and Jesus worked it out. The Holy Spirit drawed him, and he came to terms. Why aren't you right with your maker? You can't get too far away from God. You can't get too far away from him. He will take each one of us where we're at and bring us from being just a friend to a brother to an adopted child of the king. None of us are great. In Romans chapter 3, verse 10, it says, None is righteous, no, not one, and you've heard it from me. Romans 3.23, there's, there's, none of us pass sin. None of us pass God's grace. None of us pass God's love. God reaches for each one of us to the moment it's too late. We need to be attentive to that call. We need to be attentive to that opportunity. We need to act upon that. There is nothing to stop any of us from knowing Christ as our personal Savior as long as you can breathe. My mother was on her deathbed, and uh, my family was mafia. You just couldn't imagine the things my family have been through. Six hours before she died, she raised her hand and asked for a relationship with Jesus Christ. If anybody could have been denied that relationship, it might have been her. Now, that's a terrible thing to say about your mother, but it was true. but she's in heaven now because she was reconciled with her maker. She could have pitied herself and says, I'll never be good enough. Oh, I've, done, I've done this and I've done that. and who, How can he forgive me? And how can I ever make that up to him? No, she took God at his word and trusted in his grace and his mercy and can claim that the keys to heaven are in her hands when she got there. My friend, my brother and sister in Christ, you're never too far gone to get reconciled with Jesus Christ. We're never too far gone to be at peace with Jesus. Don't let the devil fool you. Don't let him tell you you've gone too far in one direction. You can always come back to him. Don't let him tell you that the devil, don't let the devil tell you that you can't be reconciled with your maker. Don't let him say you, you, you're not worthy anymore. Don't let him say you can't accomplish it again. You, you just, it doesn't exist. There wasn't a man on this planet that probably sinned against God any more than Judas. Yet Jesus Christ offered him that opportunity. Let's all stand.